Hi, and welcome to Where's Her Oscar, the podcast where we dive into the filmographies of actresses that haven't won an Academy Award and see how close they came to winning one. This season, we are now wrapping up Amy Adams. Woo! Last episode. <laughs> and we're joined once again by a returning guest who's been uh, on here several times so far. <laughs> Lily, welcome back. Hello, hello, hello. It's me, the permanent guest, pretty much. <laughs> the permanent guest. Mm-hmm. Why did you want to come on for The Master? I love this movie. I mean, it's like one of my favorite movies like ever. So I, and I had a feeling that either Millie or V was not going to like it. So I feel like I have to come in and defend it a little bit. Like, so that's what I'm here to do. And it has my favorite actress of all time in it. Um, I won't say who, but we'll want to know. (laughs) Amy Adams is actually, welcome back. Thank you. We're talking about, well, I was going to say, never mind. Um, this is a this is a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Um, who is sure is like a film Twitter favorite, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, because everyone loves Phantom Thread. Yes. So. Um, and this is also one of Amy Adams' nominations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last one that we're going to cover. Um, and we'll see how we feel about the nomination. But before we get into it, let's do like a quick uh, just some info about the Master if you haven't seen it yet. And I feel like this will be a confusing episode if you haven't seen The Master because it's sort of it's sort of a vibe movie. Um, it definitely has a plot, but it's not like a like a real plot. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, it's directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, it came out on September fourteenth, two thousand twelve. Um, it stars Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Amy Adams, Jesse Plemons, Laura Dern, Rami Malek, and a bunch of other people. So, Millie, do you want to do a quick plot summary for those who haven't seen it? Yes, sure. Okay. So, Freddie Quell, played by Joaquin Phoenix, is a troubled drifter who is struggling with the trauma of World War II and a plethora of inner demons. In 1950, Freddie, by chance, boards a passing boat and meets Lancaster Dodd, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is the leader of a religious movement slash cult called The Cause. Freddie quickly forms a close bond with Dodd and sees him as a mentor. He endeavours to partake in Dodd's unusual tasks and adhere to the strange rules of the cause, often unsuccessfully. Gradually, Freddie's unpredictable and explosive behaviour leads the other members of Dodd's inner circle, including his wife Peggy, played by Amy, to see him as a threat. Yeah. Did you write that out? or Because it sounds so... I did, yeah. <laughs> I did write it out, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, this is um, a professional setup. We're not just some I just people. find it easier to kind of write them mm-hmm. down because otherwise I feel like I just ramble. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so there we go. I mean, you're doing better than I would be doing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sounded good. That's why I asked. But so before we get started, let's, I mean, let's, let's see if Lily was right. How do we all feel about this movie in a few words? I don't want to go first for um, this movie. Well, you've you've already expressed that it's your favorite movie. It's, I don't think. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not my favorite movie. It's one of your favorite movies. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's definitely a film. I it's kind of like a uh, this is gonna come out wrong. It's like a car crash, as in like you don't want to watch it, but you can't stop. <laughs> because because <laughs> I found that I was like always on the edge of my seat like you you really don't know what's 
going to happen next, even though not a lot happens. Um, but yeah, and it's it's interesting, but it, uh, I can't see myself going back to watch it. It's like it's kind of a weird film, but not in a fun way to me anyway. Um, so yeah, it's OK. It's OK. Yeah, this is my first Paul Thomas Anderson. I know. It's because I've like started his movies several times and I just never can get through the first 10 minutes for some reason. Yeah. Like, and the master was like this. I've tried to watch this movie several times and I only ended up watching it really for this podcast. Um, and it's, it's really, uh, it's really compelling, but I, I would never say I'm in, in the mood to watch the master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I, it's one of those <laughs> movies that I, unless it's like for an actress I like or, that's really it. Or if, if I'm, like, watching it for a podcast or if I'm, like, watching it with someone, it just doesn't seem like the type of movie that I would seek out on my own to watch. And I know we said this about Doubt, too. Or, you know, I said this about Doubt, too. Because it's just... I don't know. It's it's very heavy. And it doesn't have the sort of... Um, personally, I feel like it doesn't have the emotional catharsis that I sort of like in these sort of heavy dramas. And that's not saying that that means the movie is bad. It just means that, like, I personally, like would not want to watch this again. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I sat through it for one ex- watching experience because I do think it's a, it's a really well-made film and it, it has phenomenal yeah. performances. But I just, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't hit the serotonin mm-hmm. markers in my mind. Mm-hmm. It's just, well, Lily, time for your defense. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, it's a matter of personal taste, so I can't really like defend against, yeah. like, you don't like it. I get why people don't connect with this movie as much also i just want to say like for people listening i just moved so if you hear like noise i now live in a city so there's like people outside of my apartment fyi (laughs) there's people um anyway so i mean i love this movie and i've seen it and this is my third time watching it which yeah i watched it on a watched it on my phone the first time which was like a bad idea but um (laughs) Does that even count? But um, it's, I mean, I don't know, am I just supposed to say why I like it? I guess I think the tone is so interesting, and I just like, I, I think it, um, the relationship between Lancaster Dodd and Freddy is so strange that I'm just like compelled by it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I think that was the most enjoyable part for me because it's like you never really know the nature of their relationship or where it's going. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, um, yeah, it's it, that's an interesting thing to watch unfold. Um, and like, I mean, I don't know why when I watched it this time because I try to rewatch the movies before I like come on and talk about them. Um, I was thinking about um, the movie Secretary and a yeah. movie that I watched last night called The Chambermaid Lynn, which are both kind of like about someone who's like, has, like, weird sexual impulses or is just, like, strange in that realm of their life, you know? And this movie is kind of like that. The secretary and master crossover, what, like, who's going to talk about that? Me. (laughs) (laughs) Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I think it's not... Actually, this is an interesting segue to get into it. Because what do you think the movie is about, right? Because to me... At least I have a very basic reading of it as, and I've, I've only seen it once. I literally just finished it today. I have a very basic reading of it as a movie about the power dynamics within within a cult, right? 
And mm-hmm. not only that, but, like, the types of people that join these cults and what they're trying to gain out of them. Like, that's my very basic uh, read of the movie. I think it's just about, like, you know, just the type of people that join and, like, the sense of community that these environments bring. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious about what you guys, uh, about what you guys think the, or what your interpretation is of the movie. Mm. Millie? Oh, um, Billy, you can go first. Oh, I'm gonna go first. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> this is a movie that, like, honestly, it's difficult for me to, like, just say it's about this one thing. Like, I don't know why it's difficult for me to kind of analyze in that way. Um, I think the line that I always think of when I'm like, what is this movie about, is the line that um, Lancaster Dodd says near the end of the movie to Freddie, and he says, um, you can find a way to live without serving a master, any master, like, let the rest of us know, because you'll be the first man in history to have done so. So I think, Mm -hmm. to me, it's kind of about, like, the search for, like, meaning or stability in your life, like, what do you do when you don't? have that where can you go to find it both negative and positive ways you know um so it's like to me it's almost about like listless listlessness and like being lost in life and trying to find your way mm-hmm. and being taken advantage of almost millie what do you think yeah i i agree with lily like i felt like it was kind of um exploring the ways in which people kind of belonging you know like and just I mean because it's like it's a it's an interesting era to base it in as well because I think it was after the second world war and a lot had changed yeah it's it's weird I don't know I guess you could say it's kind of a commentary on like religion as well like but yeah I yeah it, it's weird it's really difficult to put a label on it I don't know really it's just uh it's a, it's a vibe it's not plot maybe. <laughs> yeah I don't know. I I will also say that I just finished Vanilla Sky last night. Um, and that's I watched Vanilla Sky as a meta Tom Cruise vehicle. So I was like, this is about Tom Cruise. Like, I'm yeah. sure this movie came out before Tom Cruise as an entity, or like this movie was based on a Spanish movie of a different name. But like, it's a Tom Cruise vehicle. Like, it's a movie about Tom Cruise. So I've been very in the cult headspace. Um, which is why I don't know. Maybe my reading is more literal at the current moment mm-hmm. um but yeah it's definitely it's definitely a rich text um yeah. and there's a lot going on and it really does create a really precise atmosphere because mm-hmm. it's not eerie right which um i think another movie would have like a sense of almost like a psycho psychological thriller type uh tone but this movie isn't like that i wouldn't say yeah. it's it's much more of a it's much more of a character study, mm-hmm. which gives it an, an interesting, an interesting, I guess, um, perspective. Because it's it's never completely in, uh, oh my god, what's his name, Joaquin Phoenix's head. You know, mm-hmm. there's a there's a lo- there's a certain level of remove or distance from the subjects. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's definitely an interesting tone to strike for this type of movie. And I, I, I mean, I would assume that other Paul Thomas Anderson movies are like this. I also haven't seen them, so... I mean, I, I, I guess. This one reminds me the most of Phantom Threat, I think. And it might just be the vibe and the cinematography and the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I will say, I also find, like, in this movie, the exploration of, like, man versus animal very interesting. And how obsessed the, the, the cause is with this distinction. 
And I think that, like, informs a lot of what happens mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. I didn't find it, I don't know, I, I didn't find it as philosophical as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because I found the Philip Seymour Hoffman character to be very, not a grifter, but essentially a grifter, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was never really buying his act, um, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't know. So, like, it, when I, since I was never buying his act, I was never really in the headspace to give what he was saying, like, that much. Like, it, it was a very cynical view. Um, or I was having a very cynical read on the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, don't I wouldn't know. say that I was, like, buying into what he was saying for most of the movie. It's sort of, like, in his more, like, intimate moments with people that I think there was some, like, real, not, like, words of wisdom, but that's when I feel like some of the most impactful lines were. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I sort of, I think I understand what you're saying about you having a cynical view of him. And I kind of agree. Like, I don't think he, I mean, he was definitely taking advantage of these people. And he was, like, making it up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I. Well, I think it's interesting, though, like, is that I feel like Amy's character, uh, Peggy, and... Um, Lancaster Dodd, like, their relationship is quite strange, because it almost seems like she's more in control, Mm -hmm. like, she's, like, she is a follower of him, but she's also, like, not really subservient, like, I find it really interesting, her performance is, is great, I think, because she says so much when she's not talking, like, with her facial expressions Mm -hmm. and her body language, Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, which is really cool, I, I liked her performance a lot. And I, I think they worked really well together, her and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. The, uh, I mean, that scene where she's talking about how the, the fact that, like, they have to attack and they're never going to get where they want to be if they're always on the defensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it really showcases yeah. kind of, like, their dynamic within the marriage and within the cult itself. It's Yeah, the relationship is really strange. It's almost, like, maternal if that makes sense, I, not not in a weird way, <laughs> but like, she definitely seems like she has some level of, almost like she's his um like anchor, right mm-hmm. to any sort of to like truly going off the I don't know, like truly succumbing to whatever he's uh preaching, yeah, because she's she sort of, but I also think that it's it's uh it's almost ironic or contradictory because she seems the most. The word that's coming to my head is unworldly. In the movie, she seems like the most, um, like the most alien from all the characters. Mm-hmm. It's very strange because she's she's obviously anchoring Felicity Moore Hoffman into the real world, but when from all the characters, she seems the one that's the most, um, the least real, mm-hmm. and not in a bad way, just in a way that she sets you on edge. But I don't know if that's yeah. just like the way I was reading it, or well, I also think that she's yeah. Like... I thought you mean because um, you sorry no go. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, because you don't really see her interacting with um, that many characters. She's often just sitting and observing people, um, which I think is quite, like, off-putting. She's also, like, the most devout member to me, it seems like. You know, she's, like, unwavering Mm -hmm. in her belief that this is all real, you know. And they are higher beings than the rest of the scum of the earth, you know. so she does have like she is very severe even though like amy adams is a very warm face and a warm voice and a warm actress she is so severe yeah yeah Yeah. um severe is a good word i think 
Mm-hmm. Because I think um, Amy Adams, I think we have this idea of her, and I mean, obviously with all the movies that we covered, that she's very warm, but and that's sort of her like defining characteristic. But I think what really is like an Amy Adams performance is this like level of intensity, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's like internal intensity where it's constant and it's not influenced by anything else. It's just this like s- sense of like really internal um, drive mm-hmm. that's sometimes it comes across as like uh, exuberant or enthusiastic, you know, and something like Enchanted mm-hmm. or Junebug. But it, it's something that remains constant, I think, in most of her work. Um, so even in something like Arrival, which is not as emotional um, in the traditional sense, you still have that intensity. And I think here it's um, here it's Paul Thomas Anderson plays it really interestingly because it's it's in the almost in the absence of true emotion, at least for her character. It's played as if um, almost like divine, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an in- that's an interesting adjective, divine. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's. It's an interesting, I think, also just an interesting cast of characters. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you think of people like Philip Seymour Hoffman, Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Adams, and for a little bit, Laura Dern, uh, The Master's not the type of movie that I would imagine them all to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a very, I said this before, but it's a very detached movie. Um, it's almost, not clinical, but it's it's very... It's a very detached character study. And when I think of, especially someone like uh, Seymour Hoffman or and Amy Adams together, I would imagine them in something much more, I don't know, just something much more emotional mm-hmm. in my head, mm-hmm. um, which this isn't that. But I think I think they're all, uh, they all have such different approaches to their work um, that it, it creates a really interesting mix of acting styles and just different levels that in another movie would come across as very messy um and tonally messy but i think paul thomas anderson is able to utilize that into just like creating like characters out of performances rather than performances that come out of characters Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah i honestly think like when i think of this movie and i think of like the oscars this year i think that this movie should have like won all the performances it was nominated for like this is some of the best acting in my opinion that's like in modern cinema everybody is just so good i think yeah and they're all yeah they're all really playing to their strengths you know Mm -hmm. and i think like like this isn't a movie where you sorry you can no 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 no. you in the middle of a sentence go oh i was just gonna say i think it's not it's not like one of those performances where it's just like wow i didn't know that this comedic actress could do drama or Mm -hmm. i didn't know that this like really showy actress could do like a stripped down performance right that's not this this isn't that's that isn't what's happening here. It's very much they're all giving performances that I think they they're frankly known for in their filmographies. Maybe not Amy Adams at this point, but like still, mm-hmm. she has that through line. Um, it's like it's a great vehicle for them because it's really it's just letting them act. I don't like I don't yeah. explain it much further than that. But I I don't think Paul Thomas Anderson is really restricting any of their actions yeah no and i think i agree with you definitely like it plays to those strengths a lot like Philip Seymour Hoffman is so charismatic like he worked so well as this like cult leader mm-hmm. and then Joaquin Phoenix I mean you just like look at him and he is just odd you know so he <laughs> yeah he just like works he's like hunched over all the time his mouth thing that he's got going on is insane in this movie yeah 
It's like a snarl all the time. And I read that they, like, originally had, like, metal plates put in so that he would be like that all the time. But then they had them taken out, which is crazy to me. (laughs) I would never do that. (laughs) What? Yeah, they, like... No, I... What? Yeah, so it was, like, they had metal plates and screws in his mouth and then rubber bands to, like, help close that side of his mouth. And then they wouldn't... They weren't, like, working right, so they took them out. But he, like, has scars and, like, sores and stuff from that. So it, like, helped him remember to have half his face not moving. Yeah, crazy. (laughs) Wow. What a commitment. That's... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh... But then, also, even, like, Amy and Laura Dunn, like, I wrote down a note when I was watching that, like, they both have such, like, soothing, even tone of voices that, like, when they're saying Mm -hmm. this, like, crazy shit... It's insane. You're like, oh my god, there's a yeah. time hole. Whatever they say. Yeah. It's like eerie almost because you could just sit back and listen because it's so it's like soft, but it's like yeah, like malicious. Not intentionally maybe, but it is. And so I think those casting choices are so good. Yeah, I completely forgot that Laura Dern was in this. So I was like, oh, Laura Dern's here. I think so did everyone else. Like, <laughs> but like, I really liked. Yeah, I really liked her performance. Mm. Um, I mean, it, I, there wasn't much, but I think, yeah, like you said, like her her voice is really um, calming, and when she was talking, you, she she's very um, like charismatic. So it's it's like one of those people who does, um, you know, like life betterment talks. Mm-hmm. You know, like to better your life, um, and they're so like even if you like believe that what they're saying is absolute bs like there's a part of you that's like wow yeah this is kind of like interesting and you can't stop listening to them like she she kind of got that vibe mm-hmm. like perfect yeah um yeah definitely yeah and like mm-hmm. there was a scene that was like cut from the movie but it's like you can find the extra footage online and it's a scene where she's giving Joaquin Phoenix, like, the, the therapy or whatever they call it. Um, and it is, like, insane to watch because it, it, she, everything she's saying is just, like, nonsense. But she makes you believe it in a different way than yeah. Phil Hoffman does. Yeah. I think um, I really like Phil Schumer Hoffman. Um, he has this, like, level of charisma, but it's it's never just He's never just charismatic, you know. Mm-hmm. It's always like charisma with a with a seedier um. What's the word? Undertone. With like ambiguous intentions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. He he always mm-hmm. seems to have like very bizarre intentions, and I um I watched Capote a few months ago, and that's like a great. That's one of my favorite performances of his, and in that he's like you always feel like he has, like. He's always doing something for himself, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. The master, you you can't really figure out what it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I... Because you, like, especially... Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, especially, I, I was just going to say, in regards to um, Freddy, like, you, you're not really sure what he wants out of Freddy. Um, whether it's, like, complete indoctrination or if it's something else. It's just the ambiguity of that relationship is just heightened by, like... The fact that you're not really sure what what the desired outcome is. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, does he want someone to just be completely subservient to him? Or does he 
truly think that he can fix him or does he want like people to think he fixed him like does he want the kind of people to be like wow you fixed this guy who was totally like nuts and like <laughs> you know it's like yeah he's um I think Philip Seymour Hoffman is great at kind of I feel like his characters can always like turn really quickly like mm-hmm. he's very good at switching between this kind of like calm um friendly like manner and then but there's like a there's like something underneath like seething beneath the surface which is like really like eerie mm-hmm. yeah and you see that come out yeah. a few times when he like gets challenged by people mm-hmm. like the dude in the beginning mm-hmm. and then later with uh Laura Jones character and mm-hmm. he just like snaps at them and it's terrifying kind of when it happens yeah yeah I was also gonna say I think there's like an interesting um sort of like intimacy between Dodd and Freddy where like there is that mm-hmm. element of like he wants to fix him and I think definitely like part yeah. of it is for show of like look at me I just fixed this guy but another part yeah. of it seems like he's like obsessed with Freddy in particular and it like yeah. it like disturbs his family yeah because he's like no Freddy needs to stay we need to help him you know Mm-hmm. And, and so there isn't a level of ambiguity of, like, what is the, the nature of their relationship. Because it's not, it's definitely not purely, like, professional in any way, or mentor, mentee, anything like that. There's, like, a blur, blowing of lines there. And, yeah, I, I always thought that the scene um, where Amy Adams and Viltima Hoffman is at the sink in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I won't elaborate too much more on what they're doing, but... Um, <laughs> when she says like you can do anything I just don't want to know about it um, you yeah. know and then but she's like but we have enough problems like there's this one specific thing that she wants him to stop doing and she doesn't really say what so it's like left ambiguous but there's something where she's like that yeah. needs to stop and then she's like and stop drinking also but I thought that scene was really interesting because it also like kind of leaves room to be like what's going on yeah, there's a really, it's like a very interesting sort of power dynamic, you mm-hmm. know, because you have, we talked about Amy Adams and Philip Seymour Hoffman before, where it's it's like, obviously she is in the general sense a disciple of his, but in broader terms, there seems to be that she has some level of control over him. Then you have um, uh, Dowd and Freddy, where Freddy is, again, mostly the disciple of um, his name is Dowd, right? Dodd. Lancaster um, Dodd. 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 Well, Freddy is the disciple of Lancaster, right? But he's, um, he's not really... Like, Lancaster, on some level, you get the sense that he needs him, mm-hmm. right? And ultimately, yeah. it is Freddy's own decision on whether he returns to the cause or if he doesn't. Yeah. And that, that level of free will in Freddy gives him a little bit of power, or at least the upper hand in that relationship. Because, mm-hmm. again, we talked about this. Um, I think, Lily, you touched upon it briefly. That, but, like, Joaquin Phoenix, he he sort of... You always, like, whenever he's in a movie, you get the sense that he's a loose cannon. Yeah. Like, yeah. as as a persona, as, a, like, a f- on-screen persona, you always get the sense that you're not really sure if he's going to do the most rational thing. And, obviously, this movie mm-hmm. really exploits that, because you're, like, you can't really tell what his next move is going to be. And, I mean, there's... 
there's definitely some moments where he's like you know going acting out going crazy in that little montage um in the middle of the movie but i think the more the more interesting parts are when you're not really sure if he's going to succumb to whatever manipulation or convincing um philip seymour hoffman is doing mm-hmm. and so like the three of them and I, I we've touched upon this before but freddie and amy adams's character don't really interact that much but there's tension there right because on some level they both want philip seymour hoffman Maybe not for the same reasons, maybe not in the same ways, but it's this idea that, like, this guy who who prides himself on being that influential, like, he, he himself can't actually be for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a really interesting set of circumstances, I think. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Do we have any final thoughts on the movie um, before we move on to the Oscar race? Yes. Well, I have some. Millie, do you have any? Okay. Uh, no, you go ahead. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, one sec, let me, like, consult my notes here for a second. Okay, something that I really thought was interesting, and this is kind of, like, going back to the, the whole, like, man versus animal thing that comes up time and time again. I, I think, like, part of the the reason that the dynamic between Lancaster Dodd and Freddy is so strange is, like, when Dodd is around Freddy, he's he's like the most, I mean, he would say like the most animal. He's like the most physical, like when they like roll around on the lawn um, or like they sort mm-hmm. of like screaming at each other in the jail cell. Um, there's just a lot of like physicality between the two of them that is not present in any other yeah. relationship that Lancaster Dodd has that we see. Mm-hmm. I mean, even that, you know, that, like, yeah. pseudo-sex scene that he has with Amy Adams, like, he is just sitting there, not, mm-hmm. like, touching her, doing anything like that. So, there's, like, that physicality just makes it, um, adds another layer of of strangeness to what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. And for a movie that's, like, you know, they definitely want to oppress Freddy's, like, sexual impulses, and it's, they are, like, not anti-sex, but kind of, because it's an animalistic thing. For a movie that's, like, obsessed with sex, it's also very, like, anti-sex, this cult, and I think that's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, which I think, yeah, which I think is why I have, I have real trouble, and again, first watch, so maybe if I watch it more than once, it'll, make more sense to me but i I have have sort of difficulty seeing this in a broader sense or at least what the movie is trying to do other than the context of a cult and the power dynamics in a cult because i i think there's just not much uh i don't know exactly what the word is it's i find very hard to make um generalizations out of this movie or about because i think the situation is so specific Mm -hmm. and i do uh, we will do our imdb trivia segment but i do want to mention that uh, Paul Thomas Anderson said that he thought, he, like, this idea of this movie has been um, in his mind since 2000, yeah. famously, yeah. the year after Magnolia, where he works with Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. And once I latch on to a, <laughs> into a, onto a Tom Cruise theory, it's very here difficult we, for me to let go. Here we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I, I was just, like, and again, I just watched Vanilla Sky last night, I watched The Master this morning, and there's definitely a sense of... Um, sort of the the difference between like the collective right and the individual Mm -hmm. um and i think both movies sort of explore that but i think the master it's 
it's set of circumstances. It's so specific that I find it, I find it difficult to make it more than what it is in the movie, if that makes sense. Like, when I'm watching yeah. the movie and when I'm looking at the, um, the logistics of the movie, like, that makes sense to me when I'm in the space of the movie. But I, the movies that I like, I tend to, tend to have, like, further reaching implications mm-hmm. than just the context of the movie. Yeah. And, like, to me, the master doesn't really achieve that. I don't, I don't actually know if it's trying to achieve that. Maybe it isn't. Um, but. I mean, in my, in, uh, in my mind. I don't know. In my mind, I don't really think it's trying to, and I don't really see a good problem in that. I don't really think that all movies, like, have to really be trying to say no, something. No, I don't either. So, yeah, I don't. Mm-hmm. That's part of the reason why I feel like it's difficult yeah. for me to, like, analyze it, because I do think that it is not aiming to make any grand statements on, like, human nature or the nature of all things. It's very specific, and it's about what's happening. Yeah. I, uh, I did, when I was watching i was just thinking when i was watching as well i thought of a quote from this movie which i don't know if either of you have seen but it's called professor marston and the wonder women have you seen it mm-hmm. yeah i've seen it i've heard i really it. love that movie. okay cool so the the quote is a person is most happy when they are submissive to a loving authority it's essential that this person submits to an authority willingly and that it is their idea um and then like that's doing like a psychology lecture i forget if he's like quoting somebody if he is i think it's floyd but i might be wrong about that but i feel like that quote really goes along well with this movie like the whole idea of a loving authority because that's kind of lancaster dodd yeah so Mm -hmm. yeah that's really interesting i i i just i find his the way he treats his uh like the members of this religion that he is the leader of so interesting especially freddy yeah mm-hmm. i don't know i only have like one more note and it's like not even smart or analytical so maybe i'll just save it and not say it i mean now that you mentioned it you sort of have to. <laughs> yeah the photo shoot they're doing at the end or like near the end is so mm-hmm. insanely funny to me <laughs> when he makes it like straddle <laughs> that way <laughs> Oh my god, I like burst into tears every yeah, time I watch weird. it. <laughs> like, I mean, I'll just come out and say it because I've been dancing around, around this whole time. The relationship between them is very homoerotic, and that little photo shoot, gay little photo. I mean, yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so I mean, yes, but it's like it's like it's like one of those um like a very like psychosexually obsessed with each other yeah homoeroticism not yes not like i'm craving intimacy homoeroticism yes. you know yeah exactly it's very interesting there's mm-hmm. something yeah um shout out to gay people in cults no one in particular <laughs> just oh my god i feel like that's a rarity but maybe it's all nine perfect things. strangers i haven't even seen the show <laughs> well <laughs> Is that anything? Yeah, kind, kind yes. of. Actually, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, surprisingly, incredibly, incredibly <laughs> to my surprise, and I've read the book, so. Well, <laughs> <laughs> if, if we're done talking about the movie specifically, can we switch to the Academy Awards? If no one has anything to add. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay, and if we remember anything, obviously we'll just start talking about it. Um, no one is being held hostage here. Um, um. so let's, um, <laughs> let's go through 
the big eight categories. Um, so we'll start with best original screenplay. This is original, right? So this was not nominated for best original screenplay, which is interesting to me. Uh, this year is Your Dark Thirty, Moonrise Kingdom, Flight, Amour, and Django Unchained. Mm. Um, almost pronounced the D there. That was very weird. <laughs> um, interesting lineup. I uh, will admit, I have not seen Amour yet, so oh, I don't know. Oh, me neither. I, really I have yeah, so much going on. Lily knows that I have I have opinions on Michael Haneke. Um, you sure do. Not very favorable, but <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, Amour seems less like the rest of his work, so maybe I will check it out. It's definitely a lineup of movies. It's very actually eccentric for the Academy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. A lot of a lot of Academy favorites but mm-hmm. still still odd yeah wait, wait z yes i'm going to move it's going to be loud i'm going to send you the timestamps. you can cut this out okay <laughs> Chang unchained wins um not really surprised um i feel like quentin tarantino the academy loves in general i think it's definitely the most i know i say this on the podcast a lot but i always feel like um Sometimes the Academy, especially when it comes to the screenplay car- categories, they nominate the most screenplay, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yes. I know what you mean. Like, I do know. And obviously, the movie is like a revisionist Western movie, mm-hmm. right? Which requires a lot of writing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sort of the way I felt about um, I, I like Jojo Rabbit, um, but also it wouldn't adapt its screenplay. I, I, I just felt like it was like, wow, this guy really really adapted that screenplay that was unadaptable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. Yes. It Like, on some level, I feel like this screenplay category is really award audacity. Not in a bad way, just in a way. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting to me. I mean, this seems like a screenplay to me that what I would definitely you- nominate and I thought would get nominated. So it is, like, surprising that it didn't, to me. Yeah, the ma- yeah definitely. Yeah, I agree. And there's a... Like, it has a lot of things that I think the Academy, like, likes. Um, <laughs> Not necessarily monologues, but definitely like, uh, definitely like speaking to the audience um, parts, if that makes sense. Um, sort of the like double meaning segments. There's a lot of interesting things in the screenplay. I would I would have nominated it um, for the category. I I don't know. I it's interesting that it wasn't. Um, any thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I thought, also, I thought before I looked into the nominations that the film got, I thought it had gotten a lot more. Um, I mean, the acting is obviously a great aspect of the film, but I was surprised that it was kind of limited to just the acting. Um, Because I thought the film was really well, um, I mean, technically, it's just, it's a great film, I think. So yeah, it's, it's, it's weird that it didn't get more nominations, I think. And yeah, it's quite a shame. Um, I, th- I feel like there's a lot of films from this year that are just like, they're a lot, you know? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I feel like The Master kind of got overshadowed in a lot of ways, which is a shame. Because I do think it's great in a lot of ways, um, just because I wouldn't necessarily choose to like watch it again. I did I did think it was interesting, and I think um, from a filmmaking you know, point of view, it's it's got a lot of great aspects. So yeah. Um, not to spoil it, but the master only has three nominations, um, mm-hmm. or Oscar nominations, and they're all acting categories, which I think 
is interesting for, uh, I don't know, I, I actually haven't really looked into Paul Thomas Anderson's history with the Oscars. I know that Phantom Thread was a huge thing um, for the Oscars when it came out. But um, he's always been a little uh, a little on the overlooked side in my, from, from like my limited knowledge. Because stuff like Magnolia and um, uh, Magnolia and Buggy Nights, they didn't really break through, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, There Will Be Blood was like his big Oscar thing. Yeah, that too. But yeah, and I think that this, it's sort of, it's not Oscar Beatty, but it's like not like, like Boogie Nights or even Magnolia, I feel like are much more insane (laughs) movies, if that makes sense. Whereas The Master is pretty reserved when it comes to its insanity. So it's interesting to me that it didn't break through. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think the the Oscars and Paul Thomas Anderson, I don't know if he's won Best Director. I should check. Has he? I can check that right Mm. now. Because I know he was definitely nominated for There Will Be Blood. Yeah, so he's never won um, Best Director. So I feel like he's someone that people want to win and people always say it gets like snubbed not fully appreciated it's actually really interesting i'm looking at his uh his awards right now and he was nominated for original screenplay for bookie nights and magnolia but he did not get stats for uh that did not happen for the master he didn't get anything for the master which is interesting because i think yeah. uh, in hair and vice he gets an adapted screenplay nomination there will be blood he gets a he gets picture director and adopted screenplay phantom thread obviously he gets picture and director um so it's like he's definitely in the conversation so it's interesting that the master which i think is like the most not the most accessible but definitely the m- most um i don't know just the less the least crazy yeah <laughs> of his movies from what i've heard again i haven't really seen any of his other movies but from what i've gone the cultural consciousness um it's interesting that he didn't make it through yeah and, I mean, it's also, I mean, I feel a little bad. Not too bad. But um, this is, like, his favorite movie of his that he ever made, The Master. And he's like, I'm the most proud of this one. And it's the one that the Oscars were like, eh, 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 it's okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's very sad. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. Um, it's well, since like, we're already here, let's, let's look at Best Director, since that mm-hmm. was that would be what... Oh, yeah, you can finish your thought. And I'll move on to mean, Best Director. What even was my thought at this point? I do think, oh, I was going to say, I do think that, like, his work has gotten progressively sort of, like, not, maybe not every single one, but, like, less outlandish. Like, his early stuff, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, um, even Inherent Vice, to some extent, they are, like, you know, there's a lot of nudity and a lot of, you know, foul language, sex, drugs. There's not as much of that in, like, Phantom Thread and uh, The Master, so. But he seems to have gotten less popular with the Oscars, which is a funny little uh, contradiction there. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I had to say. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say since we're already here, let's um, let's just look at best director too. Um, David O. Russell for Silver Linings Playbook, Steven Spielberg for Lincoln, Ben Zeitlin for Beasts of the Southern Wild, Michael Haneke for Amor, and Ang Lee for Life of Pi. Um, I will be the first to say this: I do not think David O. Russell's Silver Linings Playbook is good. Um, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I think it's fine. I have no feelings about it at all but you would put the master in there in this lineup instead of that movie right absolutely <laughs> with no hesitation yeah, yes that's well that's what i was trying to say however i think even though i do like the direction of the master um that was a very weird saying that sentence out loud was really strange i think i would still make 
Ang Lee win. I really do like Life of Pi. He won? Thoughts. He won that year? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Ang Lee wins for Life of Pi. Thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I think out of those, um, I would agree that Ang Lee deserved it for Life of Pi. Um, I, I mean, I haven't seen Lincoln or Beasts of the Southern Wild, so maybe I, that's a bit unfair of me to say. Because <laughs> I haven't really got a well-rounded view, but um, yeah, I think I think it's fine. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love Beast of the Southern Wild. That's such a good movie. I don't remember the direction, yeah. like, that much. And Amy, you know, he was robbed for Brokeback Mountain, so, you know, he got his due diligence. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wins Best Director for Brokeback Mountain. He did? The movie just did. doesn't get Best Picture. Are you serious I, right now? I, Why did I, I not know that? I thought that that movie didn't get Best Director. Anyway, apparently I'm an idiot. Um, so, whatever. Life of Pi is a good movie. I like it. I may have given it to Paul Thomas Anderson. Just because this movie is so good. But that is my personal opinion. 2006 was Brokeback Mountain, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. Yes, yeah, I think yes he, did. he won for Brokeback okay. Mountain. Okay. He didn't win Best Picture, but he won. Yeah. He's one of my favorite directors. <laughs> Yay, Cowboys. Um, yeah, um, I really do like Life of Pi. I watched it in 3D when I was like eight. Um, no, not eight. I wouldn't have been. 12. I would have been too early. Whatever. Yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> you actually saw an advanced school uh, for you. Great movie. It even came out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So this is obviously the um, Silver Linings play- playbook year, um, but since we're here, let's just uh, let's just go through uh, best supporting actress. Or actually, let's let's save Amy Adams' category for last. Let's go to um, best supporting actor. So Christopher Christoph Waltz wins for Django Unchained. Alan Arkin is nominated for Argo. Robert De Niro for Silver Linings Playbook. Philip Seymour Hoffman for The Master, and Tommy Lee Jones for Lincoln. I'm not a fan of Quentin Tarantino movies, and I think that really colors my entire perception of them. Mm-hmm. I have a very difficult time separating his actors or like the actors' performances from the movie itself. So, my, and I I love Philip Seymour Hoffman in general. So, like, I'm sort of uh, a little biased here, <laughs> whereas I would have given it to him for the master. But I, yeah, I will admit that I I have a preconceived bias mm-hmm. um, against Tarantino movies. They're just not my thing. Yeah. Well, that's fair. I haven't actually seen Django Unchained, Django Unchained, to be honest. Um, so I don't know if Christoph Waltz like, really deserved it, but I would have given it to Philip Seymour Hoffman in a heartbeat. Yeah. Millie, what do you think? Yeah, I would have given it to Philip Seymour Hoffman as well. Um, I have seen Django Unchained, and I wholly disliked it. I don't actually think I finished it because I was like, this is... No. So, yeah, definitely would have given it Philip Seymour Hoffman. 100%. Right. And then, best actor, um, Daniel Day-Lewis wins for Lincoln. Bradley Cooper for Silver Lang's Playbook. Hugh Jackman for Les Miserables. Joaquin Phoenix for The Master. And Denzel Washington for Flight. Mm -hmm. I like Lincoln, but I do think that Joaquin Phoenix is really great in The Master. And if that happens, then we don't have to worry about Joker. This is oh, so true. true. Exactly. Preemptive thinking. <laughs> this is how we went. What a world we could have yes. lived in. Yeah. Yes. I, <laughs> I'm being proactive. Yeah. Go back in time. I love doing that. Um, this is definitely Joaquin Phoenix's best performance that I've <laughs> ever seen. Like, he's so 
He's so good. He's so much better yeah, than the clown. It was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anything's better than the clown. Yeah. Sorry to all Joker <laughs> um, fans. But also, I do think he's... Uh, I'm not sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think he... Um, I think he's quite a consistent performer, though. Like, I would say he's being very Joaquin Phoenix. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like I think he's, he's good. I mean, he's... Um, I I really dislike the Joker, but he's not. Uh, I mean, the movie's bad, but like he commits to it, and I appreciate yeah. that. But um, yeah, in general, I think Joaquin Phoenix is good. But um, yeah, I mean, I I can't comment on Lincoln because obviously I haven't seen it. But I don't think like okay, I don't think Joaquin Phoenix is as bad as the Joker, and I don't think it's like a terrible performance to win for. I just don't like the idea. Like sorry, sorry to be like a like a cinema purist, <laughs> but the idea of Joker <laughs> winning Best Actor yeah. is like comedic. Yeah, <laughs> like there's levels to. I just think that movie is so intelligent. Uh, I don't know. I will be. I maybe I will cut out this entire Joker por- portion out because I do not want criticism for my opinions <laughs> my brother loves the mm. movie so um mm-hmm. if you will if you're going oh, to no. fight me on joker please know that i have definitely had this argument before <laughs> um i think it's so crazy that like, yeah i hello hello i'm sorry i don't know what's happening but it's very strange it's very strange <laughs> Wait. this episode is going to be like unlistenable <laughs> <laughs> you just stopped talking. I was like, um. yeah, you just stop talking. <laughs> I do that from time to time. I do that. Um, <laughs> I was just gonna say, I think it's in, it's kind of crazy that like, Wami Malik and Joaquin Phoenix, two of my like least favorite, um, like uh, best best actor win wins in the past decade, like. Bohemian Rhapsody and Joker, they're both in this movie. And they're both pretty good in this. They're both good in this movie. So, like... Yeah. It's just upsetting to me. Yeah. I I did want to mention that I think it's very funny that people, or, like, anyone thought that Rami Malek looks like the child of Philip Seymour Hoffman and Amy Adams. <laughs> like, that's... Wait, is he supposed to be Amy's not. child? He's not. He's the brother-in-law. He, well, what? He's, like, the son-in-law. He's not the actual child. Oh, oh. that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I really yeah, otherwise, you really married to his sister. Okay. Oh. So. I did not. Okay. I mean, it's a Very, cult. I don't know so why I. Don't rule it out. Yeah, but also, I think all of the older children are not Amy Adams's. I think they're the ex-wives' children. Yeah, she's I was so thinking young. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, they don't say it explicitly, okay. so. Well, good thing that I absolutely do not know how to watch a movie. Because <laughs> um, I was very confused. Um, I was like, this guy just not. Well, that makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's move on to the creme de la creme, best supporting actress. So, Jackie Weaver for Civil Running's Playbook, Helen Hunt for The Sessions, Sally Fields for Lincoln, Amy Adams for The Master, and Anne Hathaway wins for Les Miserables. Okay, sorry okay. to all Les Mis fans. I'm like so sorry because I know a lot of people actually like that movie. I cannot stand that movie in so, for so many reasons. Yep, me too. And I'm so sorry to Anne Hathaway. Love you, girl. But it's just not for me. And that performance is good, but I just can't get over that movie. So I do not like this win. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry, Anne Hathaway Hive. Yeah. Um, 
I really do think that Amy Adams could have easily won. There's a certain level of... I don't know. She's just... She's very good in this movie. And I think the fact that she was nominated... Um, it, this isn't like an arrival situation where she wasn't even close, if that makes sense. You know? Mm-hmm. The fact that she was nominated mm-hmm. puts her in the running, obviously. But... Um, <laughs> she, sorry. I just... <laughs> This is this is a great, awesome episode. Upcoming. What is, what is like? What is going on? Uh, I will say that I've been, actually I've been I was in class and now I'm here. Yeah, you were in class. So my mental uh, yeah, my mental capacity. I don't know what's up with Millie. Now, I mean, now we're talking about the master. Yeah, it's nighttime. Yeah, you got yeah. Okay, yeah. Anyway, you got someone. It's nine p.m. Someone just came out of class, and I just moved to another country, and I'm still moving in. So. <laughs> we're all uh yeah um anyway (laughs) the master uh i think amy adams could have definitely won i think that lee miserable is definitely a movie it's not my thing i don't like musicals um (laughs) i've said this before i really don't like musicals um and hathaway's good in lee miserable but i also think that she is it's like one of those emma stone wins for la la land where i'm like oh she's doing the most you know, yes, like, exactly, exactly. Like, congratulations on doing the most. I prefer, as I said when we did that episode, I think Amy Adams could have won for Arrival. I think mm-hmm. Isabel Huppert should have won for Elle. Um, for Best Supporting Actress here, I think Amy Adams should have won for The Master because I think it's it's a certain level of um, dexterity, if that makes sense. She's sort of, um, in a very weird way, she's doing less, which for Amy Adams is more, you know, because mm-hmm. it's a reserved performance. It's... It, it lacks the naivete that um, a lot of her prior performances had. And because of that, you get this really interesting, almost not against type, because we talked about that intensity that she has, but just a, an actress that's maturing in her performances, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's like Amy Adams versus musicals at this point. Maybe she'll win for Do Evan Hansen, and it'll be like that. <sighs> full circle moment i swear to god i swear oh, to god, god. <laughs> stop i'm speaking stop. that into you know that like, we have like weird manifestation oh my god <laughs> not to sound like a crazy person but <laughs> lily and i will sometimes say things when we talk to each other <laughs> don't even as jokes and then they'll come true <laughs> oh no don't don't even um, give them so if Amy, <laughs> don't elaborate i'm on gonna that. cut that up <laughs> Oh, no. so you get to um, decide. You get to decide when things are too far. Okay. Yes. If, if I'm editing, I get to decide. <laughs> um, that's how it... Mm. Anyway. Uh, so if, basically what I'm saying, if Amy Adams wins for Dear Evan Hansen, we know who to blame. Um, Me. And when she does, I will be dropping Lily's hat on her Twitter account. <laughs> I will literally deactivate. I'm going to quiet it. yell at her. I'm going to quiet it so you can't talk to me. <laughs> Uh, all right, Millie. Uh, no, did you say your piece about Lemus Rob? I did not. Well, I I've stated that I dislike it, but um, I think it's it's good as a you know a, a stage show. I don't think it translated well to film. I just think the cast was it was like a into the woods kind of situation. Um, <laughs> I just yeah, I don't like either of those. Um, they didn't work for me, and. Yeah, I think Anna Hathaway was, I mean, it's like the obvious choice, you know, because she was doing so much and it's such an emotionally charged film that it's like, oh yeah, of course, like they almost had to give it to her because she cut all of her hair off and she sang (laughs) live 
<laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a shame because I think Amy was overlooked in this film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Her performance is infinite, infinitely more intriguing to me than Anne Hathaway's. But yeah. Oh well. Mm-hmm. My miss. I do want to give a quick shout out to Nicole Kidman, who should have been nominated over Jackie Weaver for The Paperboy. Oh, um, no. no. That should have happened. Uh, Jackie Weaver oh, is in Silver Linings Playbook oh. for like 10 minutes at most. The Paperboy is phenomenal. It's, it's not, not phenomenal, it's but not. it's definitely at least three stars. The amount that Millie is glowing um, right now, deeply tell you. Yeah, like, I... I yeah, no. And I like Dogville. Let that be known. I've I've watched Dogville like five times. But I but I draw the line at Paperboy. I think I've said this before. Yeah. Anyway. Um don't take these words. Yeah. Don't, don't ever. watch Paperboy. Just don't ever. Just no. Have you even seen the Paperboy Lily? No. But I've seen enough. I've seen Twitter little <laughs> clips. Um, yeah. Is that the one where she pees on somebody? Yeah, you get you can get some. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and for that alone, she should have gotten that nomination. You were, you were literally insane. I'm holding back coast words right now because I don't think I'm supposed to swear. <laughs> you could swear. I everything is marked explicit anyway. <laughs> oh well. Anyway, do I get to say my piece well, I mean, on Les Mis? Uh, the moment has passed. Do I get to say my piece on Les Mis? Or is that a Millie only privilege? I thought you did. Did I? <laughs> I thought you. I thought you said your piece. I Sorry. I it. Well, you I can say your piece. Yeah. I just want to say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I have not come across a movie by whatever his name is, Tom Hooper, that I like. Yeah, Tom Hooper. Yeah. Every movie that he makes, I just know I'm gonna hate it. Um. And <laughs> has that okay? Have you seen Cats? Yes, I saw it in theaters on New Year's Day. At 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. Oh That's insane. Very fun. After yeah, the I, ideal watching experience. Yeah, I saw it with my friend who was singing all the songs and he got shushed by old ladies in the theater. It was it was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just want to say, this is my little piece here. I'm not going to get too into it. Everything about that movie, from a technical perspective, is literally deranged and makes no sense. Why would you have them sing live on a, on a movie set where it is so loud and they have to sing for like 11 hours a day? It's a miracle that nobody has like severe damage to their vocal cords. That's all I have to say. Tom Hooper, if you want to fight me, you can't. That's it. Tom Hooper, come on the podcast. Tom Hooper, let's talk. Live debate. Let's do Where's Her Oscar for Taylor Swift. <laughs> In Cats? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we, we'll talk about Cats. Um... I just don't think that Tom Hooper yeah, knows uh, how music Tom, works. I just don't think he knows how movies work. Maybe he doesn't know how either one Maybe works. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, Cats, The Danish Girl, Les Miserables, The King's Speech, The Damned United, and Red Dust. The first, the last oh. two, I don't know. The rest of them, I'm like, wow, this guy is like has watched a movie. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's just, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like... Sort of like an alien's idea of what movies are. Sorry. The King's Speech is not that bad, but... No. Um, the other ones, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. I just hope that he never is allowed to direct a musical again. Because I don't hate musicals. Unlike you, V. But, like... I'm in the middle on um, musicals. They're either hit or miss. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I don't want to get, like, too on a tangent here. But it is just... He's just the worst. 
Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fair. You're allowed to have that opinion. Yeah, I just don't like musicals, so I I feel biased against them. So I really really can't make a judgment call. The Danish Girl is terrible, though, so... Yeah. Maybe I can. Um, (laughs) Wait, what do you think of Mamma Mia, uh, V? Because ABBA just dropped new music, so we need to know the opinion. Like, what? Yeah. I like Mamma Mia. Okay, good. I'm actually of the controversial group that likes the first one better than the second one, which makes me, I know, terrible and insane. But, like... The first one is like that's controversial. The first one is like the family stuff. Yeah, most people like the second one better. Huh? I think you're that's lying. V, who told you that? Yeah, that Alexa, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Not to name drop. <laughs> you just accepting but. anything she says. I think she was lying to you. Sorry to Alexa. <laughs> Someone lied Smart. to her several times. <laughs> yeah. Mamma Mia one is so great. It is. I'm- Mamma Mia two doesn't have Stalin Skarsgård. It does have share. Or like not not to the ex- yeah. like it has yes True. but that felt contrived i mean it was yeah i enjoyed it in some ways oh my God. but <laughs> it was a bit ridiculous i mean i know it's a ridiculous film but um <laughs> mama me yeah. too felt a bit contrived i don't know i i well listen <laughs> i mean <laughs> okay the whole thing is contrived but i like mia because i'm an abba stan mm-hmm. um but generally, I don't. I mean, I don't really enjoy Mamma that much. I'm sorry. I like the first one. I feel my. I feel no feelings to the second one really. <laughs> Even though I love Show Queen of Camp. Yeah, the young versions of the people really annoyed me for some reason. Maybe you just hate young people. <laughs> like the thing I hate is that they're like the same. They have the same haircuts. Like they haven't changed their haircuts or like their style for forty years really yeah okay i mean i get it they want us to know which character is which but jeez why are we talking about <laughs> Mamma mia sorry i don't you know this is up. really Hello. weird anyway i did i did bring it up well how do I, we connect I, this I, back um my last know. piece of Mamma mia my last piece of Mamma mia i need to say this why mm-hmm. Mamma mia 2 would have been exponentially better if they did what they did in Mamma mia 1 where they just put all the old men in weird wigs and just decided that those that was the younger version. How mm. how great yeah. of a movie would that be? I support that. That'd be fine. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, enough about Mamma Mia. You know what movie isn't Mamma Mia? The Master. Um. But they do, it does have an M. The Master, Mamma Mia. Yeah. They're kind of similar. Take those boats. Linked. True. Yeah. Yeah. There's a guy. There is a guy. There's like. I mean, do that is true. Maybe is there a gay cult following of the master? Why don't we start that conversation? <laughs> um, silence for me. <laughs> silence. For me. Um, imagine the master having a cult following. How funny! <laughs> That's like my entire Twitter account. It's just imagine cult. if this movie had a cult. Following. The master cult following. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. And you could you could start it if you really wanted to. Except I hate. I'm devoting all of my energy to other movies right now. Again, real ones will know. Other movie, the movie. <laughs> um, we need to. I don't know where this episode is going. Um, do we have any thoughts on the Academy Awards race for this year, 2012? Any any thoughts? Um, um I've already said that I want less for Silver Linings Playbook. Uh 
Well, yes. I, I go off yeah. the year the movies came out. Okay. So. Yes. Less for Sylvain Lining's playbook, more for the master. I agree. Um, and I did not like Zero Dark Thirty. Is that I the, still? I, I just wanted to say that. Is that the one with Jessica Chastain, or is that the one with Billy Oldman? Uh, that's the one with Jessica Chastain. Okay. I don't know what I'm thinking of. The Darkest Hour with Billy Oldman. Sorry, they're the same movie in my yes. head, even though they're all the same. I mean, li- are aren't they this about the same thing? Aren't they both about torture? I thought one was about I mean, Churchill, lying. and one's about like, I thought the Darkest Hour. Yeah, Darkest Hour is Churchill. Yeah, yeah. all movies are the same. Um, Zero Dark Thirty about. Darkest hour. Um, Sorry, I was gonna say, why did I think the Darkest Hour was about torture? Um, I... It's torturous to watch. Anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. Good one. I know. I'm so you know, got those zingers in there. <laughs> um. um. I feel like delirious. <laughs> I don't know why. It's okay. I just want to say quickly before we end this episode, the public perception of this movie is so strange. I'm going based off of Twitter, just in case everyone is wondering. People treat this movie in the strangest way possible, and I can't figure out why. Really, I mean, I can, but also it freaks me out a little bit. Can you elaborate you on that? that? I feel like you need to elaborate. <laughs> yeah, um, elaborate on that. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, okay. I mean, like, the, thing that, okay. I of, the right. thing that I think of the most is, like, when I was looking up, like, Laura Dern in The Master, because I wanted to, I didn't know that she was in this movie until, like, I looked at her Letterboxd page, and, like, no one else knew that she was in it either. Like, people just, like, forget she's in this movie all the time. But, like... The amount of tweets that I saw that were like, there's graphic nudity in this movie with Laura Dunn and Amy Adams. And it's just like not true. I'm like, why are you guys lying? Why are you lying? Why does this have a hundred likes? <laughs> and there's no nudity yeah. in this movie for the two of them. What is happening? I just don't understand why people just like to lie about this movie. And also, I don't think enough people think that it's gay when it clearly is. But that's just me being crazy, so... Maybe I was the crazy one all along. I agree. There's, I mean, the subtext is there. Yeah. Another another very fun... Sorry, I'm looking at IMDb trivia right now. I know Millie's going to love this fact. Um, oh, go ahead. You know who was originally supposed to play Peggy? Reese oh, Witherspoon. Our friend Reese Witherspoon. Oh. Those circles. Her and Amy like, yeah. just like, overlapping all the time. Oh, no. Oh, no. I know I like said this before as a joke, but I truly had Naomi Nicole situation here. Yeah. Like I wonder if they have beef. How? How are there pictures of them together? Let's see. Probably. Let me let me investigate. <laughs> what Amy and Reese? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They're like okay. In oh my yeah. head they don't they were, exist in the same world. Oh good, they did that. They interview. were on the Hollywood issue cover together. Yeah. yeah. And that's when we saw this one. I like, completely forgot. And we saw this one said that the first, her first interaction with Amy's she like Asked someone, she was like, who's that hot girl? Which I can't imagine Reese with a spoon ever saying oh, yeah. to anyone. Um. <laughs> <laughs> she she made that up. <laughs> She's just lying. Reese and they were all uh, on Jimmy Kimmel Live with, with Nicole Kidman. It's very f- Which is a moment it's in time. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Why didn't Amy get that invitation for Big Little Eyes? Why didn't that happen? Isn't it crazy that Joaquin Phoenix has worked with like three out of five of the Big Little Eyes people? And two of them in Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Four. Which one? Which is the fourth one? 
What's the fourth one? Oh, wait, I miscounted. <laughs> no, for so, I, for a hot minute, for a hot minute, for some reason, I thought Amy Adams was in Big Little Eyes. I don't know why I thought that. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, because he's worked at the... I, your third season uh, ideas are just, like, coming Laura, in your head. Uh, Nicole... Oh, have you read my third season idea? No, I just heard it. It's like in the war. You? No, you never send it to me. Apparently, I don't have that privilege. <laughs> I'll send it to you. It's phenomenal. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, I might just actually write a book. That's not. Do it. It's going to be like a Twilight situation where, um, where like Fifty Shades Great is a Twilight fan fiction, but I just, she just changed all the names. That's what I'm going to do with the third season of Be Little Eyes. That is so fun. Um, I'm just going to write it as a book. Yeah, I'll send it to you. I think it's phenomenal. I think it's so good. It's. I wrote it. I wrote it two weeks into quarantine when I realized that we were not getting it. <laughs> mm, um, I love that. Truly. So, anyway. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah, um, Reese, Reese Witherspoon, Amy Adams, besties. Uh, um, Reese Witherspoon, honestly. Lots of improvisation in this movie. Oh yes, the cigarette line. Well, he says um, like, "I love the minty flavor of these cigarettes." That was improvised. I remember reading about that. Um, the pig fuck line. <laughs> that was like really sad info <gasps> on that IMDb trivia. Maybe we shouldn't read it all. <laughs> oh, no, no, I think. Um, Joaquin Phoenix breaking the toilet. Oh, yeah. That was improvised. Yeah. Um, Joaquin <gasps> Phoenix just moving around the room <laughs> outside yeah. the markings. Yeah. yeah, it's just. Um, can I uh, just like say something you know, that's a lot like. Of not at all relevant but kind of i mean it's about the master okay it is so terrifying to me when when um a lord Dern tries to be confrontational and like not in a renata way but like in a in like a different way i'm just like can you stop talking like shh. stop doing that when she's like this is my <laughs> property private property i was like oh my god i don't know why it just like makes me physically recoil <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so. well, we don't have time to unpack all of that, but <laughs> um, I think it's um, I don't actually um, know why that is. Hmm. She's sort of like really fun in this movie. I don't like. I think she is the fun part of this movie. This movie's not fun. Um, no, and everyone knows I love to call things fun and make things fun when they're not. But like this movie, not a lot of opportunity to do that. No. I'm gonna have you seen the deleted scenes, either of you? No. I'm gonna yeah. send them. I'm gonna send them to you guys after we finish this. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I do curious. think it's, it's, it's I also have to watch the vanilla sky ones. Oh uh, yeah. <clears throat> you have to watch Magnolia too. Tom Cruise is absolutely deranged in that movie. Yeah. I mean I don't like that my movie. My brother just finished it and he said he Oh really? I mean it's like not my favorite. People like love it's it. My, but it's my English teacher's favorite movie. So a lot of people have recommended it to me as a movie that they think I'd like. <laughs> Don't know what that says about me. Um, <laughs> but I guess I'll find out soon enough. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts? I think I think we've reached a point where I think if we keep talking about this movie, yeah, we might actually go crazy. <laughs> oh, I have one last thing to say. If this if if this is all about Tom Cruise, and I hesitate to say this because this might actually get me in trouble. Whatever. I've lived a good life. If this is really about Tom Cruise, it makes sense that it's so homoerotic and off-putting. Just saying. (gasps) Tom Cruise, come after me. (laughs) Fan 
<laughs> Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> no, that uh, I agree. Um, and that's all I'm gonna say. Well, Keen Phoenix is taller than Tom Cruise, though, right? So she Joaquin Phoenix. Probably. Yeah, he's five eight. Actually, wait. How I thought is Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is five seven. They're actually. Why did I think Joaquin Phoenix was tall? How tall? This is, is very distressing how, to how me. How tall is Joaquin Hoffman? Truly, Laura Dern is, the is that why Laura Dern is like never really standing in this movie? <laughs> yet. Yeah. I mean, um, is that one scene on the porch where she like comes? Felicia Hoffman is five ten actually. Oh, okay, so she's just like one inch taller than him. Is five ten. I have finding out that I have actually absolutely no idea how tall people actually are, mm-hmm. um, ever, apparently, especially men. Um. <laughs> well, where are we? What are we doing? I don't know. This is the last episode of Amy Adams. Yes. What a, what a way to go out. <laughs> we're sending her um, out with insanity. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely. This is definitely an episode. But I think I think it's actually a nice button on the Amy Adams season. I think it doesn't. This movie is, I think, a just a really good movie for her. Um, and despite it not being an Amy Adams vehicle the way like Enchanted is, I think it's it really works to her strengths. And it's it's definitely a memorable performance for her. Mm-hmm. Amy Adams slay. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Any other thoughts? Any anything final before we end this movie? Good. Amy Adams, good actress. <laughs> just end it there. Just cut. That's it. No outro. Nothing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. No, I have to do my plugs. If you like the show, like, review, subscribe. Um, follow us on Twitter at Where's Her Oscar. Uh, Lily, do you have anything to plug? Um, do I have anything to plug? Um, oh God, I'm being put on the spot here. Everyone. Uh, go on YouTube and look up Diabolique 1996. It's on there. Just trust me. It's a great movie. If you like Ludos and religion, this is the one for you. If you like Isabella Johnny and Sharon Stone, and a, like, just, just think about the concept of Isabella Johnny and Sharon Stone. Yeah. That's still absolutely surreal to me. Yeah. So, um, uh, everyone go watch that and give it five stars on Letterboxd. <clears throat> we can get that waiting up, guys. We can do it. them. Yeah. So that's all I have to say. Um, um thank you I, for listening. Yeah. Uh, Lily, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not coming back. This is it. It was a great one. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everyone say farewell to Lily. Uh, and this actually concludes our eighty me Adam season. We'll probably do another episode that's just me and Millie talking about just a little, like a short little segment about Amy Adams um a conclusion if you will mm. but yeah that was a journey yeah he definitely watched a lot of movies some of them were good some of them were not um yeah mm-hmm. thank you for listening and we'll be back later some of us bye 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 <laughs>